let's just say it's been a hot second. <laughs> Greetings from the pink house porch. We are at the pink house. Wow. Reporting live from the pink house. Um, today is episode three of life in the pink house. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> so funny. Ha <laughs> ha. We're actually in the pink house. And today we are talking all things Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. The moment you've been waiting for. Of course. That's probably why half the people are listening. Yes. We're going to knock it out already. I wanted to get it done with in the first few episodes. Because um, DCC was a huge part of my life. Still is a huge part of my life. But it's not my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I would like to go ahead and touch on it. Because that's what everyone has mostly requested. While kind of answering most frequently asked questions about DCC. And then we're going to move on with some other good topics. So basically, let's just start huh, from the background. In um, the beginning, there, there was there was COVID in the DCC audition. Yes, and DCC making the team. And we both watched it growing up. Um, I mean, I she got into it first. <laughs> Mm. she liked it because it was interesting and of course when you grow up as a dancer like any kind of audition process is very interesting to watch just because you don't know a whole lot about how the dance world works um there there aren't many shows about it I mean even like before Dance Moms was a big thing there was nothing on cable tv Mm -mm. that had to do with dance this is true like there was nothing and so if you found anything that had anything related to dance or performance period you were watching it Especially Uh, DCC making the team because I feel like they um, pulled back the curtain on the whole process of it. And, you know, when when Marissa decided to audition, um, we binged making the team just kind of like think when you're going into any kind of audition process, you just feel good kind of knowing what the room looks like that you go into. Just something as simple as that. Of This is what it looks like when you go in. These are the kind of clothes that people are wearing. This is mm -hmm. how they're coming you know this is how they line up in the morning this is how they style their hair you know it's all in my opinion it's research and you have to do your research to you know get a job when my husband's interviewing for a job he did his research on the bank and you know their mission and what they stand for and how things are done and and all that those things and you know researching dcc was no different it's just like any other job you want to know feel like you know what you're getting into for sure I mean, I feel like we learned a big lesson with reality TV going through this whole process. A huge one of not everything is as it seems. Which we knew that and we always knew that, you know, they can edit things. Any reality show can edit things to make it look a certain way. I mean, you know, one of my friends is a Um, production assistant on a reality show right now and it's funny to hear her talk about it now you know all the episodes have aired and she's like I mean that's not really how that went down you know and this was kind of they really focused on this and that was not really what that person's so much about and it's just you know it can be edited anyway that they see fit to make good television you know to fit and everybody knows that right to fit the narrative that they want to fit And Mm -hmm. I think that was one thing that little 18-year-old me was not prepared for whatsoever. Like, you know, when you're auditioning for DCC, you know, well, especially back then, that the show was going to be a part of it. But quite frankly, I didn't know for sure that the show was going to be a part of it. Especially with COVID. Right. I mean, we didn't even know the auditions were happening. 
Um, I was recruited. Let's mm-hmm. just say that. Let's, let's say what it was. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I was recruited to be a part of DCC. That doesn't mean that I was guaranteed a spot. It wasn't me. It didn't mean anything like that. But I was sought after by a staff member um, mm-hmm. back in January mm-hmm. before I even auditioned. One of their former cheerleaders had had me in class. Um, she teaches at conventions in North, in, in North Carolina, who was a former DCC. And she knew I had interest in auditioning. And she contacted the recruiter. And they contacted me. And it was basically, I know this girl. And she's, you know, I know she's interested. And this would be a, a good fit for our team. You know, yeah. and they do that. You know, girls are recruited every year. Yes. I mean, that's not anything that was anything specific for Marissa. Um, And we, going into this whole process, did not know they did that. I did not know that Mm -hmm. at all. And literally, somebody just called her out of the blue one day. Yeah, I got a call. I was literally about to get in the shower in New York City. And um, Mm -hmm. got a call that said from Dallas, Texas. And I was like, uh. (laughs) And I answered. And they introduced themselves. Said they were recruited for the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. And I was like, uh oh okay like awesome and they had a whole conversation about you know what my dance background was where I was from um where I'm going to school what my interests are in performance and my career all of those things and just kind of getting to know me as a person um so that was awesome just kind of getting an idea of you know asking straightforward to a staff member like what do I need to do to prepare for this team? Because Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to audition that year, not thinking I would make it. I really just thought this would be kind of for the experience type situation. Like, of course, you want to go into an audition hoping you'll get the job. But But realistically, realistically, I was 18 and this was my first ever big audition. Mm -hmm. And I just honestly did not think that that was I, I was what they were looking for because I was young I didn't think I looked like a mature woman let's mm-hmm. be honest because I still look like a child yeah. and felt like I was a good dancer but you know I'd never done that style before I had never done a kick line or a jump split before there were a lot of things that I was not experienced in that you know you just don't really know mm-hmm. if you're quite prepared for and so I went into that audition process thinking or that year of thinking I was going to audition of being like this is more so to get my foot in the door Mm -hmm. this is probably not going to happen for me until I'm later in life yes much much of a learning experience and yeah that's kind of how I was approaching this and so when the pandemic hit I was like, well, that's off the table. I'm not auditioning for DCC this year because the world is shutting down. I had to move back home from AMDA in New York City and kind of regroup. And Mm -hmm. I was kind of in a state of panic, honestly, because I was like, I had all these plans of what was going to happen in the next year, at least, Mm -hmm. of my life. Um, And now everything's up in the year because of COVID. So how am I going to navigate this? Whenever your entire career is you know, revolved around performing and there's a pandemic going on, that's, that's non-existent. You're out of a job. And so I was like, okay, well, back to the drawing board. What am I going to do? So it gets closer and closer to the initial audition date. And they revealed that for the first time ever, they're going to do virtual auditions. And I was like, well, here's this. Mm -hmm. Now, did I think they were going to do the show? No. 
I really did not think that they were going to do the show. They didn't advertise that they were going to do the show. So I figured this is great. This takes the pressure off of me because now I can audition also virtually Mm -hmm. and nobody really has to know. And it can just be kind of a peaceful situation. Um, And there's that. So I, I submitted a 60 second solo for the first round which and, I will throw this in because, you know, people are like, oh, the video submissions are so easy because you can just film it over and over and over again until you get it right. And I personally don't like video submissions. I hate it. I think, <laughs> I think it's very stressful, um, you know, and it, it was a good way to do it in the way they had to do it. Yes. And kudos to them for coming up with a way to do it. However, I think that it's not near as stress-free as what people make it out to be because they think, oh, you just do it over and over again until you get it right. Yeah, you can't do that. No. You're, you do it once, maybe twice, and you're done. You can't sit there and do a, even a 60-second routine a million times until it's perfect. Like, yeah. that's just not realistic. And for me, if I was on the other side of it, I don't know. I mean, it's the only way they can really do it, but it's not really a clear picture of how a person is going to obviously pick up a routine and turn it around and be able to perform it. And and I knew enough just from watching the show that it was a very fast learning process. Yeah. You've got to take it in and turn it around fast, you yeah, know, for and, be, sure. and be able to perform it. And luckily we operated our studio that way. We are, you know, our learning process lots of times is, you know, just choreography vomit yeah. on the kids and they just a lot of it fast and then turn it around fast but it's a skill picking yeah. up choreography is a skill it's a skill and it's um, like any kind of muscle in your body your it's like brain your, it's your brain it's your yeah. brain it's a muscle mm-hmm. it has to learn and um you know luckily our our kids are you know become since they are, are you know taught that way at a very early age from our minis all the way up you know they they learn how to learn fast yeah and for our um dancers that have gone on to dance professionally um, it's been a very useful skill. And, you know, I've always told the girls, I said, this is, this is really important because you can be the best dancer in the room, but if you can't turn the choreography around, you're just standing there. And, you know, you may go into an audition and, and you may book the job simply because you can pick up the choreography and turn it around fast. And, and that's true. But for this, in this situation, all that was taken away. It was taken away. And I feel all like that, that was, was like, for me as a dancer, that was a strong suit. That was suit. a big strength. That yeah. was a big strength for me. Um, I'll stand here right now and say I'm not the most technical dancer. I don't have amazing flexibility. I'm flexible, but I don't have insane flexibility. I'm a good turner, but it doesn't matter when you're auditioning for a pro NFL team that you can do turns in right. second. Right. Um, and or, or good jumps because you're not doing that. Right. And my strengths were I could pick up choreography fast and I could perform. And I feel like a lot of that was lost in the audition process just because Mm -hmm. it was virtual. And I just always feel like when you're watching a dance in person, for any dancer, it is much better in person than it is on a video. Because you can capture the feel of it and the performance of it so much better if you see it in person. So I was like, well, I'm probably not going to have a prayer, but let's just... Let's just say my two best strengths are gone. Two best strengths are gone. Yeah. Um, I literally filmed my 60 second audition solo twice mm-hmm. and picked the first one I did and yeah. turned it in and just was like, and there's that. Mm-hmm. And then waited 
and found out I made round two and was ecstatic because honestly that was kind of the goal for me right (laughs) because I I was not expecting a lot from how this was going to go down Mm -hmm. so then whenever I submitted round two we learned choreography we did the kick line again filmed it once and submitted it because I was like this is not going to get better than this there's not there's not more I can do I can't I can't make my legs kick my face Mm -hmm. um and I remember the choreography I performed it moving on like Let's just, let's not stress it's about it. It's just not worth losing your mind over It's it. not. It's mm-hmm. not. So, after I submitted that, waited, found out I made it past that round, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, got taken in. I did an interview with a staff member. That was the next round. Um, very much get to know you questions. Luckily, I felt like she was very prepared for that. Um, you know, Marissa grew up doing dance titles, and, and you know, I've always told girls that want to do you know, any kind of pageants moving on in the Miss America system or, you know, the high school pageants or, or anything like that, you know, doing dance titles um, definitely prepared her for that because going into an interview just had, had become very natural and easy and it just kind of takes, um, is a familiar place. For sure. So doing the interview, I don't feel like was a stressful thing. I'm a talker. I can talk. Yeah, it was fine. <laughs> yeah, she was like, okay, well, this this will, this will be, you know, this will be fine. This, this will is be fun. Good to show who I am. It right? was mostly all this get to know you questions. And at the end, like I had done my research, like any job, I, need, I knew I needed to know about football, Cowboys, mm-hmm. history of DCC, all of the things. So they just asked me, you know, what are you excited about looking forward to this upcoming NFL season with the Cowboys and I just mentioned about the you know the draft pick that they mm-hmm. had chosen and how I'm excited to see how that works out I knew that was the first year Mike McCarthy was the head coach of the Cowboys and I mentioned that mm-hmm. so just kind of like briefly being like I know what I'm talking about and then moving on so mm-hmm. it was a very short interview very easy um low stress mm-hmm. and over zoom, over zoom. And then, um, and then a little bit later, they contacted those of us who had made it to training camp. Mm-hmm. And um, much to my shock and surprise, I just happened to be one mm-hmm. who got chosen. Um, and honestly, I wasn't trying to get too attached to the idea of going to training camp because I really did not think it was going to happen um, just because of COVID. I was like, there is no way they're going to be able to make this happen. Mm -hmm. I'm so honored that I was chosen for this, but I'm not trying to get super excited. Like how, how in the world are they going to make this work? And um, we're also living in a time of COVID where things are changing daily, you know, almost. And, you know, I've got four children and it's just like all of their lives were upside down. My husband's job was you know, he was all, you know, remote. I, my dance studio was, it was during the summer of 2020. Everything was on pause. There was no nationals. There were no, we didn't have our recital. You know, we picked it up and did it in September with, you know, one child per family in the audience, you know, with doing every class individually. It was just a crazy, crazy time. As my oldest Reagan says, it was a fever dream when we think back on it. And we were just like, I mean, that's all great and fine, but is there even going to be a football season? Right. Yeah. Like, like, we were like, this is great for now. Like, we don't know if this is going to come to fruition. Like, mm-hmm. we just, I, I just had a lot of doubt um, because I was, I was prepared for, for, it, to be for, for it to be taken away just mm-hmm. because of the circumstances of what was going on in our country and, you know, all of that stuff. So, um, as the dates approached and got closer and closer, I was just kind of holding my breath. Mm-hmm. Um 
And then I got contacted by a producer for CMT making the team. And, um, and they were basically just asking me questions. They said they wanted to do a feature. Um, and that was kind of it. Wanted me to film things around town. Like they didn't come to my hometown. Like I recorded all of that stuff and had to send it in. Um, they were, they like asked for specific things to be recorded. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they didn't do my interview until I was there, which was shown on the show. But we'll get more into that later. But basically, that's kind of how that went down. Um, and I just thought all of the girls who were new auditioning were getting the same call. Um, that was my <laughs> that was my perception of everything, that everybody was just kind of like getting contacted. But and, you knew through Jada some things because Marissa and Jada had met um, because I think it was like, I think it was like a post that they were when the they were saying like that they were going to do online auditions and I think it was like drop a star if you're interested or something like I that. I can't remember how we got in contact with each other but we we found each other on social media yes. and mm -hmm. kind of held each other's hands through the whole process. Yes. Um that was nice to have her to be like have you heard anything? I haven't heard anything. She was quite yeah. literally my first friend through this whole process. Right. And I think you know, with us, we bonded so much, not just because we went through literally the entire process together, but we were also very close in age and we're both mm -hmm. young and we both kind of didn't feel like we knew where we stood. And right. we we both didn't have, let's just say we both weren't super confident that we were going to make the team, but mm -hmm. we were just there to enjoy it and have something to do and to dance and have that mm -hmm. experience and to be excited about being there. And right. it was just, that was just kind of that. So, mm -hmm. um, the process leading up to training camp after I found out I was going to training camp was very brutal. I'm going to be quite honest. Um, it was it was hard in the sense of there was a pandemic going on. We had to learn 20 to 30 routines, something crazy like that, via video. Um, they wanted us to know the dances beforehand because instead of having a two and a half month training camp, we had a two and a half, two and a half week training camp. And so obviously they can't teach us that much material in that short period of time. So that was there on their part, a very smart decision to mm -hmm. make sure that the new girls knew what they were doing. And they've kept some of that. Yeah. I think moving forward. Like the, that, that has kind of like melded mm -hmm. into day-to-day -day stuff mm -hmm. now. Like with even with through video. Yes. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I, and I agree. I think that's great just because when you're a veteran, you know, all of this stuff. Right. And it's like kind of beating a dead horse. To yeah. Them. I mean, <laughs> if they've, if they have a sideline that they've done for, you know, two, three, four years, some of these girls, you know, and it's like, oh my gosh, now tonight we're teaching XYZ and have literally done this dance a million times. Like, I don't want to learn it. Yeah, it's just better use of your time. Because I agree. they already know that dance. So yeah, I think that was a, a yeah. nice little touch that came from COVID, but mm -hmm. Agree. that we, that we were able to pick up on from what we learned during that time. But, but yeah, we learned all of those dances. And in the meantime, you know, I had stumbled upon what is known as prime timer. And um, for those of you who don't know what prime timer is, first of all, do not go look it up. Second of all, it is basically an anonymous message board where people who are fans of the show can kind of just talk anonymously about their opinions and all the things. It can be about literally anything that has to do with DCC World. We stumbled upon it just kind of trying to find more information. And like like we did our research, you know, as far as watching the show of how, what to expect, which honestly, I don't know how much good it did because the COVID, the bubble year, as they call it, 
was completely different, obviously, than mm-hmm. how the auditions were run in the past and even from how they're run now. I mean, it's, it's yeah. still, you know, they've kept the virtual component at the beginning, which honestly, I like that because it, it really cuts down on expenses for people coming in that are not local. You know, you don't have to buy a plane ticket and hotel and commit all this, um, you know, financially for the first cut. Like, yeah. it's nice. It's, it's it nice, nice for that. Yeah. And I, and I think that's a great thing that they have kept. Um, but we were just kind of trying to find out anything that we could, anything and everything, you know, just like how she was doing her research on, on the team and, and, you know, all the, all the players and the management and all the stuff. I mean, we're just kind of, like, you got to remember it's COVID. We have nothing else to do. We have nothing else to do. (laughs) We have hours upon hours of time. It was just kind of taking up our time. Right. We literally, I think just Googled. Either yeah, DCC or Dallas so. Cowboys yeah. cheerleaders, That's like we how just we found it, and yeah. we t- we were like, "What's this?" And well, we had found some Facebook um, fan groups, and you know, there's a couple that are on Facebook that are so great, and they're just run by fans of the cheerleaders, and and they're just really nice, supportive places. Um, and I'm a member of those groups. Um, just to you know, I, I don't comment. I very, very, very rarely comment, um, but. It's just kind of, it'll show pictures. Sometimes um, there'll be fans that are at the games that'll catch footage of the girls. And it's, for me as a parent, it's just kind of been nice to be like, oh my gosh, I've never seen this picture or I've never yeah. seen this video. I mean, I'm a member of Just for the of, memories. Like, yeah. yeah. Like I'm mm-hmm. a member of like one or two of them just because it's really cool. There's also people who have, you know, taken portraits, portraits, <laughs> pictures of mm-hmm. you from the, from the, crowd and mm-hmm. it's pictures of yourself that you've never seen before and I think that's just really neat it's nice mementos to have yes. and, and and also and most of them are very very supportive and positive and shout out to the admins of those groups to, for keeping it yeah that way they just don't allow any negativity about the girls um but in and we just thought in our night you know, being naive, we thought that, oh, this must be like those Facebook groups. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. We <laughs> we quickly found out. It was not. We quickly found out that Primetimer was a very toxic place. Now, I will say, it's not all negative. There are people on there who, they just like to chat about the show and... It's a lot like Reddit. If you're on Reddit, for, I know a lot of people are on Reddit for lots of different things. And Reddit has a lot of good aspects. Like I... Um, you know, I've learned a lot of things from Reddit. You know, you Google whatever, there's usually a Reddit board about it. And yeah. there's a lot of good information. But Reddit and Primetimer are alike as far as um, you can post anonymously. And people can say whatever they, they want. They can say whatever um, they want with no fear of looking bad. Yeah. Because, it's, because they, you don't know who they are. And so. I think, you know, we're going to just kind of briefly discuss this just because it's... It's so annoying and honestly, it played a big part. yeah, it did play a big part in my mental health going into this because when you're, when you're young and you're impressionable and you're going through something that you've never gone through before and you don't really know, like you think you know what you're walking into, but you don't really know what you're walking into. Mm-hmm. Having something that you were not expecting, like a hateful message board is a really hard thing to digest. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of people could argue and they do argue that you are signing up to be talked about poorly by being on a reality TV show, which I think that's a very really kind of scary way to look at this whole thing and very almost sadistic to mm-hmm. look at it that way just because you're on TV. So I get to talk about you. 
and not feel bad about things I say because either, um, you know, that's my opinion or freedom of speech. Well, you know what? I could walk up to anybody on the street and say, I don't like your outfit. And that's also my opinion and freedom of speech. But do you do that? Like, no, because that's rude and ugly. Right. And it, and and if, I mean, if you're anyway halfway of a good person, you're not going to do that. You're not going to do that. And there's a difference between being like, you know, so and so is my favorite, or saying, you know, so and so, you know, I'm not a huge fan of her dancing. And that's your opinion. But there's a difference between that and saying, so and so is fugly. There's two differences right. of that kind of opinion. Like, I, I feel like, the people who are on those message boards have no idea how much that has messed with mm-hmm. all of the girls on the team, past, present, even future, mm-hmm. that are going to read those things. And it's going to heavily contribute to how they feel about themselves. Mm-hmm. We already have enough issue of body dysmorphia on right. the team. Just with, being a dancer. Just being a dancer. General. I mean, regardless of what entertainment corporation you work for, that is unfortunately a part of being mm-hmm. a performer is you are going to, you have unfortunate body issues. Mm-hmm. You just constantly think about that. And mm-hmm. it, and it's up to you also to, you know, try to talk to people about that, go to therapy about it. But mm-hmm. also, like, when you are constantly surrounded by that kind of negativity, mm-hmm. it definitely contributes in a very, very bad way. Mm-hmm. And so seeing things about that yourself, and it's not just about, you know, how you look in the uniform. I mean, people talked about our facial structures and our hair and, you know, I'm like, you I can. Mean, one time they even talked about what Tristan and Keenan looked like. Yeah. Like there was a rude comment about like, you know, it was COVID. We had funky haircuts. Everybody was cutting hair at home and their hair was kind of looking crazy. And in the video or the footage that was shown of Marissa, um, you know, getting in a training camp because it was, um, you know, recorded from home and they were in that video and somebody even made a comment about her, you know, I think seven-year-old, bro- I think he was seven at the time, mm-hmm. something like that, a little boy. And I'm like, these people are just, that's just evil. Evil. To comment yeah. on a kid's haircut. Like, you know, I'm yeah. just like, at that point in time, I was like, we are dealing with people who we're, we're just... We can't make people be nice. We yeah. can't, you can't make a person be a good person. Yeah. You know. And I think with all of that in training camp, like waiting on training camp to start, I started having a very unhealthy relationship with Prime Timer because I think when you see negative things about yourself online, you pray every time maybe that it'll change. Like maybe the next time you go check on there, there'll be some positive things to say. Or somebody and this, defending you. Somebody defending you or something. And you feel very defenseless in this situation because Mm -hmm. obviously I'm not going to create an account and argue with these people and stick up for myself. And neither is anybody that I know that this exists. Mm -hmm. Plus nobody knew really that this existed except for me and my mom that I was close with because I was embarrassed about it. Mm -hmm. I didn't want people, you know, reading those things about it. I didn't want people reading terrible things about my friends that, Mm -hmm. you know, were auditioning and on the team as well. Like it's just, it's, I don't want people to be exposed to that. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of, I felt like I was cursed with knowing that information, yeah. that, that that even existed. And I think it was in training camp where I started realizing that pretty much every single person was obsessed, with, was it. obsessed with it too. Like n- in a very bad way. Like we had all stumbled upon it accidentally and was like, oh my God, this exists. People were crying over it. People mm-hmm. were like, I cannot believe this. I mean, I know people who 
you know, got to the point where they were getting up every morning. And that was the first thing they were reading on their phone. And mm-hmm. I ha- hate to admit that I was one of those people too, because point, yeah. you just pray that maybe people will turn into good people. I don't know that maybe, you know, people, somebody will tell them off for you, like say all the things you want to say. I will say for us, you know, we had an, a similar experience, you know, the year she won North Carolina's outstanding team and we'll go into that another day. But it, for me, as a, you know, as a, as a mom, as a person, um, you just lose a little bit of faith in humanity. You do. Because, you know, we don't have, we just kind of remove people in our life that have negative forces. And we just choose to surround ourselves with good people and people who are positive and, you know, shine the light of God on everyone else. And because we try to be that way too. And it's like you almost just forget that there's bad people like that in the world. Like, I mean, you see evil on the news, but it's just kind of like when you're not really having to deal with people like that on the daily. Mm -hmm. Not that you forget it's around, but it's it's shocking. You're just like, what? I cannot believe somebody would say something like that. Like, we even are still shocked by people that lie a lot of times. We're like, because why would you lie? Right. Like, why would you not just tell the truth? Tell the truth. Like, yeah. like, and so when people, you know, somebody's caught in a lie or, you know, different experiences we've had in our lives where people lied, you're just like, I don't get it. Like, why would you lie? Like, like, it's just, it's so foreign of a concept because you're just like, I just don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, basically that's that's kind of what set the tone for me going into training camp which was terrible very I was very insecure I was very stressed out that entire two and a half weeks of being in training camp my rookie season was a blur um I think it was honestly survival (laughs) um Mm -hmm. I I talk about that like my rookie sisters and I we we joke about us being trauma bonded by that whole experience Mm, just because you were stuck in a hotel that you had never been in before. You couldn't leave. You from the, in a room by yourself. Every time that you came out of your hotel room, there were pretty. You were about guaranteed to have cameras on you. Um, you basically couldn't really. You couldn't really talk in private at all. Like mm-hmm. it, it was very hard. I mean, I felt like every time that we tried to have a discussion, we would see over our shoulder a camera or a microphone being held over us, and like you just couldn't. You just couldn't talk. Like, you felt like you couldn't really be yourself. Really be yourself. And I I tried my best to just be calm, let loose. And I really didn't have any expectation of making the team. So, I was just trying my best to have fun and enjoy the experience as much as I could. But it was very stressful because of the circumstances of, mm-hmm. you know, not really knowing what was going on in the world and, you know, kind of having to force yourself to be immersed in this environment and not be able to fully decompress every day. And that was, that was very challenging. Um, and then, you know, when cuts start happening, you're like, Oh, this is getting real. And Mm -hmm. with the show, you know, nobody wants to get cut on live television. That's, it's really scary. And I mean, it's just for people who have not been in this situation and the most people have not been in this situation. Imagine going for a dream now let's go for it publicly and now you fail and everybody gets to see it on tv and it's and it's there forever for people to watch over and over Over and and over over and like that's Mm -hmm. super intimidating thinking this is the reality that i'm in right now and it's like what's that saying like with huge reward comes huge risk or something like that like you have to risk being 
you know, embarrassed, embarrassed from being cut. You don't know what your reaction's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, how do you respond to, you know, your dream being shattered that you're going for? You know, so all of that is in the back of their minds as they're just trying to learn dances and, yeah. and function. And, you know, and trying to get a and job. And try to not be in people's faces and not get coded. Yes. <laughs> you know, so throw was, that in, too. Throw that in there, too. It, it was a very, very hard situation. And then we had showgroup auditions back then. We don't do showgroup auditions anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really think that showgroup was kind of there for the show mm-hmm. um not I don't I, I don't think it started that way I think showgroup started you know back in the 80s and that's kind of how they chose who got to go on USO tours and everything but we haven't done we I never did a USO tour that was not a thing whenever I became a member of the team so mm-hmm. I think a lot of the showgroup aspect was kind of for the show mm-hmm. um that's just my that's my words not anybody mm-hmm. else's that's just my assumption of it but um, it was a big day. Um, you danced pretty much the entire day. You did your solo. You did um, several dances that you had learned during the time of training camp. You did Thunderstruck. And that was our first time ever doing Thunderstruck from beginning to end with the kick line. And we couldn't hook up in the kick line my rookie year because of COVID. And we didn't do the jump split that year because of COVID. Thank so, God. it yes, thank God. Um, but that was literally it and that was the first time and I remember doing Thunderstruck and thinking that probably looked like total crap because I'm exhausted one and two there's no mirrors mirrors, and I had I had no idea I had no idea um my solo did not go according to plan I felt like it was kind of a hot mess um very small stage the the cheese grater stage as Mm -hmm. my rookie class and I love lovingly call it um because it was a textured stage and I had cut marks all over my body and you know so did the other girls it was just not a very safe situation it was a tiny stage there's just lots of things that could have gone wrong mm-hmm. and then at the end of all of that uh we had a vet cut mm-hmm. oh god not i don't think it was the same day i think it was the day after but still still like we were like oh my god like yeah. i don't think i was expecting them to do any veteran cuts just because of the circumstances of the pandemic like mm-hmm. i just felt like that should same. not have happened right and then you know, I I personally did not think that I had done a good job. No. I, I'm, you know, of course, everyone, you're, you are your own worst critic. And I usually can gauge how I feel like I've done pretty well. I don't think you're a bad critic on yourself. Um, personally, me talking about you, I think that you are very honest with yourself. I think yeah. that, you know, I think that is one advantage that has come from having your mom as a, as a, as your dance teacher is you, you know, you don't, you're not, um, you know, super, super critical about yourself, but then you're not super confident either. Yeah. Just think you're honest. Yeah. I think that every time she's come off a stage from any performance, especially at competition or whatever, she's had a very honest opinion of wh- how she thought it went, yeah. you know, of, and, you know, and some, and I, I will say that every you know, assessment of the situation that she's ever given me, I've always been like, yep, that's accurate. accurate. That is, that is how it was. You know, she may come off and say, um, that's, you know, my turns were not my best, but I feel like I did good on this part, but then this was good, but then this was, mm, you know, I don't know. I just feel like, eh, it's going to be a toss up. I hope I place this time, you know, but then there's, but it's so funny because 
also, you know, going into competition dancing, we'll talk about this in more another day, but it's always somebody's opinion. And so sometimes your opinion of it, sometimes you come off stage saying, oh my gosh, that's the best I've ever done this dance. Like I should definitely place. And then there's some that you that like, that was a hot mess. That's probably the worst I've ever done that dance. And so many times on the hot mess days, that's when you win. Yeah. You're like, oh my gosh, they didn't see what I saw. Yeah. You know, but again, it's just someone's opinion on that day of you at that particular time. For yeah. sure. And I think I, I remember calling her that night and saying, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I feel like it was kind of a hot mess all day long. And mm-hmm. I was so tired. I couldn't even fully comprehend what was happening. You said I did kicks and I have no idea what they what it looked like. I was kicking from a life. Yes. I was, I was just kicking as hard as I could. I, it might have looked really, really, really messy. Yeah. I was just trying my best. Yeah. And it just, at that point, I was like, I can't go back in time. I can't, I can't do anything else. Yeah. Um, but I was pretty convinced that I was getting cut. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. She called that morning and said, I, I think I'm going home. I'm okay about it. You know, I've, I've tried my best. I know how yesterday went with show group. Like it's, you know, I think I'm going home. Like I'm starting to pack up. Like I'm, I'm okay. But you just need to know, like, probably going to be driving home because we had driven her car out there. Why? Looking back on that, I don't know why we did that. That was just, I don't know. I think it was COVID and we just wanted to get out of the house. Yeah. I don't know. We. I think we were also worried about flight situations with COVID. Yes. That there is, was a lot of yeah. different reasons. Um, and she had even talked about, you know, if I don't, you know, I've made it this far to training camp. If I don't make the team, which she didn't expect to, she said, I do feel like I may, you know, stay out here and train for the year and, yeah. you and, know, and I do all the prep classes and yeah. do all the things. And so I will have my best fit forward going next year. So I did feel like, you know, that was part of that. Yeah. And I didn't think that, um, I would be going back to New York city for school either because of COVID. No. So I was like, shoot, if I might as well just stay here. And, you know, mm-hmm. if I decided to do online classes for Amda, I could do that from there yeah. and yeah. then still prep and for DCC and try out the next year. So that, I think, I think that was my biggest thought process through that whole situation. Yeah. Like this is kind of the plan. So that's why my car was there, but I was already preparing. I'm going to be driving back to North Carolina, potentially, yeah. potentially. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do after this, but I'm pretty sure I'm getting cut. And I've just got to kind of assess mm-hmm. if I get cut to see what they say mm-hmm. and how I can improve how and how to move forward. Um, so that day, like they decided to announce show group. And so I was very shocked um, and kind of in total disbelief that I had made show group. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. we kind of, we already kind of talked about this in the first episode that I thought that I was getting cut on the day mm-hmm. I made show group. But I, um, yeah, I was like, okay, well, there's that. I did not think at all, though, still that I was going to make this team. <laughs> I think that's the funniest part about it because I was like, I'm going to be the only person in history to make show group and get cut. <laughs> And then get, yeah. Because I still did not feel like I had done a fantastic job. And mm-hmm. I, I think I was just kind of in denial that, because I, I, like I said from the beginning, I did not think I was going to make this team. Mm-hmm. And so I think I had a really hard time processing well, that. Get there, and there's so many great people that try out year after year after year. And I mean, Marissa has friends that, you know, have tried to make this team um, that, you know, some of them are fabulous dancers that have not gotten past the first cut and it's just like and it doesn't mean that you know they're not a great dancer better than the other I think I don't think there's any rhyme or reason any any way in the entertainment industry whether Mm -hmm. it's NFL NBA you know Disney Broadway whatever 
for, you know, it doesn't mean that you are the best in the room. Mm -mm. It may just be what they need at that time for whatever reason. You're good for the job. You fit the job. Yeah. And I, I, I think that that's such an interesting concept to talk about anyways, but we can go into more of that later. Yeah. Um, let's just say, cut to the chase, um, I made the team. Mm-hmm. Um, we found out that about a week-ish later. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very wild time. I don't think my making the team experience was as glamorous as some of the other girls had experienced that were in their rookie classes below me years yeah um because of the situation of the pandemic um we had a lot of situations going on that kind of caused some ruckus we had a false positive test we had veteran cuts that Mm -hmm. threw off the dynamic immensely Mm -hmm. um which Still to this day, as much as I love my rookie class and I wouldn't trade it for the world that we all made the team the same year, I also have very conflicting emotions about that because I don't agree with them making veteran cuts either Mm. just because I feel like it was not a situation anybody was prepared for because it was in the middle of a global pandemic. Mm. And, you know, I feel like it may have been a smarter idea to maybe – you know, just keep what they had had that year and then an add on or just not, you know, even had auditions and kept mm-hmm. what they had already because they had a good amount of women on the team already. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's what, hard to say what, what you, you would have wanted if you were in that position. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say that I, you know, think what the decision would that was made was a bad one or a good one. I think it was just a decision. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I have a lot of emotions, especially, you know, after being a rookie and being a veteran and mm-hmm. having to experience friends getting cut from teams. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that that's, yeah. that's really, that's really challenging um, concept to think of. But like anything, you have to move forward mm-hmm. and you have to just kind of deal with what is mm-hmm. and start a football season. And I think that whole first year was a whole blur. With yes, football. For sure. Um, we danced in masks. We weren't on the field. Um, we danced on touchdown decks, which honestly was a blessing, even though it was not not amazing, but it we got to dance. We were one of the only NFL I think cheer we teams. Were the only, the cheer only team that cheered inside the stadium. Inside the stadium. I mean, you had girls that they did make some teams for some other um, NFL teams. Like I don't know what their process was, if they just kept the old people, if they took any new people, I really don't know. Um, but I do remember seeing footage of girls, you know, cheering outside the stadium, you know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that sucks for them. Like, that's just so bad. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, you know, you're glad to dance, but oh, that is not yeah. what you wanted it to be. No. So we were so happy and thankful that she was just inside a stadium and it, you know, the touchdown decks are, are nice. They're like yeah. almost like a stage setting. And, you know, if you were in that section, like, you're actually a lot closer to them, you know, for pictures, and you know, and then you are at the, like, regularly. Like, usually they're down on the field, so you can see them a lot closer. So, I did like that. The masks were terrible. That was awful. Dancing in a mask is awful. It was terrible. It was just awful. Um, But, you know, we, every single game that would happen, we we were like, okay, 
you got to do that one. That was another mm-hmm. game. That was a check, check, check. Just every single game was like a blessing and a, and a miracle. It felt like you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they got to do another one. But then every game that was coming up, like I would, you know, buy a plane ticket and plane tickets were so cheap back then during COVID. I miss COVID travel because it was yeah. so cheap. And I would, you know, fly out to see your game because it would be, the tickets were so, so, so inexpensive. And I'd think, well, I'm coming out. Hopefully you'll get to dance. If yeah. not, we'll have a day doing something else, yeah. you know, but it was never a guarantee. I feel like as far as all of the games and practices, I feel like that was a very low stress year because we didn't have to deal with anything like formations or, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, you know, yeah. field travel, anything like that. That was, that was non-existent because we were dancing in a straight line um, and we weren't doing the full kick line. We mm-hmm. weren't doing a jump split. So that was not an, a part of all of that. So th- there was a lot of things that were not stressful, um about that year but Mm -hmm. things that were stressful were not being able to leave texas i had a very hard time with that um i was basically stuck there for the whole year Mm -hmm. um didn't get to go home until off season and um i think i really struggled with that especially with that being really the longest i'd ever been away from home like my family came and visited but there's something about getting to visit home to kind of reset your mental health and then be able to go back to your job especially when you have kind of a high stress high profile job like dcc you need things you like that need a reset sometimes. you yeah. need a reset and so i i so desperately needed that and didn't get that my first year and that was one thing that really messed with me it's just very isolating because because of covid you know they didn't want them to even carpool to practice together so you're just alone a lot you know you're alone driving there you're alone driving home you know they they weren't super keen on you know lots of socialization even amongst the girls um just because of the risk of covid and so that just turned it into a very isolating situation i feel it's like it took a a long time for my rookie class for all of us to get super well bonded because of that situation mm-hmm. like we were bonded because of the bubble and of the circumstances of us making the team but we didn't get like a lot of opportunity to go out with each other and I couldn't go out out because I was 19 years old right. <laughs> so you know things like that left out. I was naturally left out a lot and it just was because of my age and you know I was in an abusive relationship so that didn't help out anything and then on top of it all like there was a pandemic going on and we right. were still trying to learn about like how to navigate all of that so I feel like it wasn't until my second season to where I got the full experience yeah. of being a DCC. It was almost, almost like rookie season 2.0. Yes. Yeah. It was it was more of a normal audition process, mm-hmm. um, which was more so what I had experienced, what I thought I would experience my first year. Um, the first before time. Before the pandemic happened. Before the pandemic happened. Um, got to do Thunderstruck to the full extent. First time ever doing a jump split. Um and the full kick line hooked up. Um, I had never done a kick line beforehand with DCC. Like, I'd, I never grew up doing that. That's just not a thing in North Carolina. Like, a lot mm-hmm. of the girls that come to DCC have never done a kick line before, nor a jump split. Like, if you grew up in Texas and did drill team, a lot of the girls had experience with that. But most of us had no clue what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And not only are you kicking, but you're kicking in a line with almost 40 women. Mm-hmm. And we're all different heights. And you're kicking in real cowboy boots. And they're heavy. Like, they are really heavy. I put hers on one day just to see what it felt like. And I'm like, I literally don't know how you dance at all. 
in these things. Like, they're not like special dance boots. You know what I mean? Like, they're not like, for people who are dancers listening to this, they're not like split soles. There's no cushion at all in them. They're just slick. They, I mean, I have cowboy boots that I wear from belt, my little Black Friday special cowboy boots, and they have more cushion than those boots. And they're very, very nice boots, but they're not dance shoes. They're not dance shoes. No, I don't know. I literally, like... I, I put them on. I'm like, I'm just like, I have no idea how anybody does anything in these boots dance wise. I like, usually wear, wore three pairs of socks with my boots. Um, I had like two like compression socks pretty much. And then like a big fuzzy pair of socks, mm-hmm. basically just to kind of keep my foot from slipping. Mm-hmm. Um, and to feel secure in there. So I had more control. Point your toe in a bit. Point, you can, you can barely point your toe. I mean, all of our feet look like biscuit feet in there. (laughs) Like it it, it was really hard. Um, It's, let's just be honest. I don't think that there's any way to adequately, adequately prepare for doing a kick line and a jump split in cowboy boots. It's a very interesting concept because nobody has done that. Like, even if you grew up in Texas and you do drill team, and you're doing kick line and jump split, you're not doing it in cowboy boots. You're doing it in jazz shoes, like, mm-hmm. or in, you know, boots that have split soles that are, that are basically jazz shoes to look like boots. Like, and I think that it was more so that, you know, nobody really had dealt with that before. Like mm-hmm. no other team does that. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think any of us really realized that that was a problem Mm -hmm. until you everybody starts getting injured around you Mm -hmm. and we I mean everybody tried to problem solve I think my second year with all of us getting back into that and so many of us had never done the kick line before because my whole rookie class had not done that yet Mm -hmm. and then we had another rookie class class that was a very large rookie class coming in that had never done that either there was a lot of girls who were very inexperienced over half the team over half the team and it's nobody's fault that a lot of people got injured it was just circumstantial I feel like nobody really knew how to prepare us for it everybody there was just like a lot of question marks we didn't practice the kick line a whole lot because people were getting injured when we did it so they limited us from practicing it Mm -hmm. because they were worried about girls getting injured for game day and so but then People were getting injured because of lack of practice because it's hard to kick in a straight line with all 40 women. That's really hard because if the line starts to wave, that's very dangerous. Girls can get hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, And your body's not conditioned to do it. It's just not. So girls were getting injured. Then, um, you know, second year was amazing. I was so obsessed with second year just because that was – It was almost like a rookie year redo, um, getting to experience everything for the first time. My third year, one thing that all of us kind of expressed was, I think we just need to practice the kick line more. Mm -hmm. And we all were like, because the organization realized that there was some faults as far as preparing us for Mm -hmm. doing the kick line and the jump split. Let's be honest, it's a very rigorous (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a very rigorous skill. It's very hard, especially at the end of a four and a half minute routine. You're mm-hmm. completely fatigued and doing something like that is really difficult and challenging. So they were like, well, what do we think we can do to kind of like up your skill for that? Like more conditioning, more stretching, more what? Practice. We all were like, yes, yes, yes. Like we need to know how to 
you know, strength and condition for specifically that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all flexible enough to do this. It's mm-hmm. more about the strength mm-hmm. and and honestly, you know, the endurance of it all. And I think that's just coming from practicing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we still had girls getting injured. Mm-hmm. We like, even though we all thought maybe if we do this, that'll like stop that problem. Mm-hmm. It actually it didn't. didn't. It it caused even more issues. Now I feel it's like overuse injuries. Yes. So now now we have not, you know, first time. You know, it's lack of sufficient training and practice, and now the next year, people are getting hurt because of overuse. Yeah. And doing it over and over and over and over again. And just honestly, me personally and professionally as a dance teacher, as a dance studio owner, I'm just here to say it on record. I hate the jump split. It's yeah. a wow moment. It's a, yeah, the crowd goes wild. The The kicks are nice. I mean, you know, dancers do high kicks all the time. The kicks are nice. They're different. It's difficult enough just to do the kicks. Like she said, almost 40 women in a row, and the boots are white, and it's very eye-catching, and they're, you know, sewed together. It's a nice look. And, you know, the, the jump split is the exclamation mark at the end of the sentence, and it is, you know, it, it's kind of like when you're watching um, a trapeze artist at the circus, you know, that the <gasps> moment is when they let go of the trapeze and are trying to catch the next trap, you know, the next bar. And it's just like gymnastics, you know, jumping from thing to thing. And the reason it's a <gasps> moment is because there is potential of someone getting hurt. There's the potential of missing that bar for the trapeze artist. There's the potential of falling flat on your face if you're a gymnast. And that's why people are so eyes glued because it's holding your breath is, are you going to make it or, or are you not? But as a dance professional and as a parent of a cheerleader, I'm just going to, you know, say I threw up 10 Hail Marys every time they all jumped up in the air and I could hardly watch it. I've I've never enjoyed watching the jump split. I never got used to it after watching it. You know, luckily she didn't even have to do it her first year. Thank God. Um, but the next two years, I mean, I prayed every single time, please, 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 God, please. And then, you know, I could always tell when they got up if she was okay or not, because they would do a little pivot turn out of it. And I could tell by the swing of her hip if she was absolutely okay or just kind of faking it, you know, like just kind of barely okay. And that is not a good feeling as a parent or like I said, as a dance professional watching this. And, you know, I always think when is going to be the day that someone goes up for that jump split and comes down and is not able to get back up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've told Marissa this so many times, you know, I thank God that that was not you, that you did not, you know, severely and permanently injure yourself in a, you know, horrific way like that. You know, we, we were there when Dak Prescott, you know, broke his leg and, um, you know, my friend was with me, um, Suzanne, and we were sitting side by side watching and she was like, She's a nurse, and as soon as it happened, you know, her eagle eye was like, oh, it's broken, it's broken, oh, it's broken so bad, oh, it's broken. And I was watching, but, I, you know, I'm really watching the cheerleaders. I'm not watching the game yeah. that hard. Yes. And it was like, oh, you think so? And then, you know, she's like, yep, I was watching it. Oh, mm 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 And, it, you know, that was a very long delay while they had to, you know, come get him off the field, and that was really terrible. And it's just for me, you know, every game I'm thinking, is this going to be the game that's, that one of the girls goes down, you know, rips her whole hip out of socket 
and they have to come out with an ambulance and take her off the field. And, you know, you don't want it to be your daughter, but you don't want it to be anybody else either. No. No, you don't want it for any of the girls. Absolutely not. I mean, we just went off a season where we had a veteran who auditioned, and she had tore her ACL practicing the kick line. And Mm -hmm. then she came back for auditions and had to kick and tore her other ACL. She right. literally learned how to dance without an ACL, with, an, with a torn ACL, and then tore the other one for overcompensating for that injury. Right. And, you know, it's the common injuries that come from the kick line and the jump split are hip issues, back issues, neck issues, knee issues. I mean, there's the a lot. Goes on the on list goes on and on. I mean, there's, there's, turf, toe, there's, there's all- turf toe that comes from, you know, um, having to wear the boots with three pairs of socks, I mean, and trying to dance with it. I mean, there's just a lot of injuries that come from dancing with boots and doing a kick line and jump split that is just not natural for the body to endure. Um, and my third season, I, during training camp, we were kicking a lot, pretty much every day. Um, because they, because they were trying to listen to us. And then we all, I think, quickly realized this is not good either. This, is not the this isn't the answer either. We don't the answer know. Is to not do it. The answer is to just take it out. Like, let's be honest. But um, I remember having issues and feeling just like my hip was aching, um, and I felt like my legs weighed a million pounds just trying to get my leg up in the air, and I felt like I had no strength. I felt like every time I kicked my left leg, it hurt. Um, and I thought maybe I had just strained a hip flexor and that's a very common dance injury in general. Um, but I remember talking to our trainer and her saying, I just don't know if this is a strained hip flexor. I think this could be a labral tear. And I was like, what's that? And she told me that, you know, a couple of the girls had this injury, um, and when you hear that, you think, oh, well, if they have it and they're still dancing, it, it should be fine. You know, you don't think, you don't get as paranoid about it. So I wanted to be sure. I went to get an MRI. They injected contrast into my joint um, and discovered it was, in fact, a labral tear. My doctor advised me to get a steroid injection into my hip to kind of numb the whole area. The pri- the priority was trying to get me through season. Um, that was the goal. And obviously, I wanted to finish the season out because when you commit to a year, you want to to give it all you have. You want to do the full season and finish it out. I don't. Well, and I think we were both still in denial a little bit as – to how, you know, she was going to continue with this because, you know, the original plan is that she wanted to be a five-year girl. She had the age, you know, she was young enough to be able to do that. She was very settled in Texas. She's very happy. I loved At that point in Texas, you know, at that point, you know, Bryson had come into the picture and they had a very comfortable life in Texas. You know, Mm -hmm. she had friends, she had him, you know, we, we had gotten used to traveling out there. You know, it was just, she was very, very settled and happy. And, you know, what's funny is there were, not funny, but there were other girls on the team with tears like that. And she's like, well, this one's got a tear and this one's got a tear and this one's got a tear. And and they're still dancing. So we just kind of thought, okay, this is just literally something you're going to have to deal with. Yeah. Until 
you get finished. And she wasn't ready to tell it goodbye. We were not prepared to, you know, tell it goodbye either. Like, no. nobody got to say a proper goodbye. No. I, I got the injection, and I remember the following game was our Halloween game, and... I, I was the game day girl for that game. Mm-hmm. And it was a great game because I had just gotten my injection. And I didn't feel a thing. I was living my best life. I was kicking my face. I was like, yes, this is great. This is great. We just thought, okay, well, this is just what you have to do. Yeah, this yeah. is just part of it. I mean, I, I talked to girls who had that injury. They had gotten steroid injections every so often to kind of, like, help with the pain and deal with it. Um, and I was going to physical therapy from the moment that I found out I had a labral tear too strengthen my body to kind of handle everything because shout out to the trainers and the physical and yes oh my god y'all I could not have done it without them um amazing and I knew I had to do it because I knew I had a whole lot of jump splits coming up because I knew Christmas was coming up and we always do two Christmas shows a weekend and games and those jump splits are on a stage so it's a lot harder to um it's a lot harder for the joint mm-hmm. um I've jumped surface. I've jump split on all kinds of things I've jump split on asphalt I've jump split on concrete I've mm-hmm. jump split on a bouncy stage I've jump split on turf I have jump split on everything so when you think about you know how much stress that puts on your joint and how much um trying to think of the word it's just very trauma yeah it is trauma Trauma to your body absolutely and I and you know I was like holy crap you know when you think Mm -hmm. about it I mean the first thing that the doctor said whenever I came in the door and they saw what the what the MRI was for that they needed to order they said the jump split gotcha didn't it I mean that's that's what the doctor said so I was like yeah like we all know what this is for so, um, as Christmas was going on, I could tell that the steroid injection was starting to wear away mm-hmm. and I was starting to feel all of the pain that came with that. I was in so much pain. I remember one Christmas show, my hip completely locked up mm-hmm. and I like almost, it almost jolted my body. Like it caught me off guard so bad. And I remember holding back tears, going to the locker room, mm-hmm. being so scared that, you know, I was doing further damage to my body by performing and just trying to fulfill my commitment to the season mm-hmm. and getting so scared. And I was counting down the days to the last game because mm-hmm. I was like, that's that's how much time I have left to pray that I'm not, like, ruining my body. Because, mm-hmm. of course, I wanted to dance after I did DCC. Um and I was scared this was going to be a permanent problem. For me, as her mom, you know, I just was kind of of the impression of, well, you know, you're dancing so much. You know, you're doing games. We've got, you know, you've got Christmas shows. It's just all this dancing. And in my opinion, it was like, you know, if if she can just rest a little bit. Maybe it's just, you know, she just needs to rest. You know, they, they usually end the season. And usually they get a, you know, in the years past, it had been a good week or two of like no dancing at all and I you know in my mind of not really wanting to accept that my daughter had a serious injury and that this might be you know the end of this journey for her I thought okay in those two weeks she's gonna rest she's gonna be like I feel great now but you know because I just really thought that it was one of those things that you know, once she got some rest and, you know, kept it with, with the PT, she absolutely is going to be able to finish this out. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember, you know, realizing 
that that was just not the possibility whenever I could not get even in and out of my car without hurting so bad. Every time I would just would go from sitting to standing, I remember laying in my bed and could not even turn out my leg and crying and like having to have Bryson help me out of bed because mm-hmm. I just, I could not do it. And thinking to myself, how this am I going to dance? Yeah. This is insane. Like how, how am I going to do this mm-hmm. with the state I'm in. Well, I think the pivotal moment honestly came from her, her doctors who ended up, you know, operating on her hip. Um, she said, here's the thing, you know, the good news is from your MRIs, you have no cartilage damage. Like somehow in all of this, like your cartilage is intact. Like you are in great shape with that. She said, however, if you keep dancing, doing what you're doing, like we can, we can support you. We can do the physical therapy. We can do the steroid injections. We can do what we need to do to get you through, you know, two more seasons if that's what you want to do. But if you keep doing this, that, you know, the next MRI that we do is not going to look like this. It's not going to be, you don't want the good news of you have no cartilage damage. You are going to have cartilage damage and there's a very very good chance that you would even have to have a total hip replacement you know in the next five years and I think that was the moment that it was like okay this is not even a discussion anymore right like like, we have to have surgery like there's right there I mean I think you know it that was December kind of like set off a very big change for me like I we Bryson proposed on the 23rd of December we had our final game on Christmas Eve the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of in a high of the engagement and being so excited. And, you know, also having a sense of relief that it was the last game, the last home game. And it, and it was Christmas and it was magical. And, you know, thinking, okay, I need to just get through this game. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it was like, I did it. I did it. I survived, I survived the season. And I remember immediately getting a doctor's appointment after that. And, you know, them doing another scan and them, you know, sitting down and mm-hmm. me honestly asking what my options were and them explaining that to me mm-hmm. and thinking, I love being a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. I love doing this. I love my friends. I love my life in Texas. But I am not willing to sacrifice the rest of my dance career and the rest of my professional career for doing two more seasons of this. Right. I'm not willing to sacrifice that as much as I love it. And it's wonderful. I did get to do it for three years. Yeah. It was amazing. And I got to do all the things I wanted to do. And I'm content with it. And I think this is just a clear sign from God for whatever reason that this door has to shut. Mm -hmm. So I booked the surgery date. I remember tearfully calling my friends and messaging my rookie class and telling them what was going on. I remember, you know calling my director and Mm -hmm. telling her that I was having surgery. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone was kind of in shock because they all joked about me being a 10-year veteran (laughs) and doing this for a long time. And, you know, it's just so crazy how life changes. And Well, I I think that, you know, a big decision also with choosing to have the surgery, because she did choose to have the surgery, um, and not, you know, getting the injections and doing the PT and basically being in pain for, you know, two more years, if she wanted to do two more years, was the fact, 
that she is only right now 22 years old and she was 21 at the time and it was like if you were at the end of your dance career if you were 28 you know there's many girls on the team that they do DCC you know at the end of their dance career and if this was the last thing you were going to do and you knew that after this you were done with this you you weren't going to dance anymore this this is the very very last thing you're going to do her decision may have been different um she may have decided to do the injections and do the PT and then just dealt with whatever happened. But with her being so young, I mean, even even if she would have done, you know, five years, she would have been, what, 23 years old at retirement mm-hmm. or something like that, yeah, you know. She would have retired at 23 and, you know, definitely she wasn't done dancing. She was for sure 100% going to be doing something else. Didn't know what, but... I mean, who retires at 23? Nobody. 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 And definitely not Marissa, who, you know, luckily achieved, you know, a lifelong dream at a young age. But, you know, once you do one dream and that dream, you know, is over, you move on to the next dream. So I think that was a big, big, big part of deciding to do the surgery. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of girls would have said, I would have, that's not the decision I would have made. I would have made a different decision, but you have to make the decision that's right for you and for your future and, and for your goals afterwards, after post DCC. For sure. And even with, you know, let's just take age out of the question. Let's say, you know, this was the end of my dance career. Having a hip replacement is a really big deal. And I remember, you know, talking to the doctors and saying, well, you know, let's say that the worst happens and I have that. You know, I walked through all the possibilities because I wanted to have all the information before I made a decision. Mm-hmm. They were like, I mean, this if, this can affect your day-to-day life. This mm-hmm. can affect you walking. This can giving affect birth. you giving birth. This could affect you taking care of your kids, grandkids in the mm-hmm. future. You doing any kind of recreational activity, period, in the future. This mm-hmm. is a very big deal. And I was thinking, you're right. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I, wh- why, is why, this even a question? why is this even a question? So, of course, I made the decision to have the surgery for mm-hmm. my for my body to save what was left of my hip. And I'm going to make a full recovery. I'm going to get back to full dance ability, which mm-hmm. I can't say the same for if I decided to cheer for two more years. Right. I'd, I'd, I, I can tell you right now what would happen. I would be having a hip replacement. <laughs> like, right. let's mm-hmm. be honest. Um... And I think, you know, a lot of people have asked me, well, after you have the surgery and get it fixed up, why don't you go back to DCC? Well, you know, let's just say you decided to, you know, wave your hand over a stove and you burnt your hand on the stove and said, ow, (laughs) I burnt my hand on the stove. Are you going to do it again (laughs) after you've healed from that burn? No, you're not going to do it again because that would be dumb. Sorry. It just would. And that's how I felt about it. Like I knew my injury was from the jump split. I just went through a huge traumatic surgery where they had to put metal, you know, anchors in my hip to close my hip and take my hip out of socket and basically clean up shop and put it back into place. And I was like, and I'm going to rehab all of that for what, for me to do it again, to do it again and tear again. Cause there's always a risk of that. So obviously that was just not the decision that I thought was going to be the best one for me to make. So I, I made the decision to retire and, and that was a really hard decision. It was one I had to think a lot about. And, um, but after I made the decision, I, I was very at peace with it. Um, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason and I couldn't be more grateful that that's the situation. 
of it all. And, um, you know, everything kind of just started to fall into place after I had surgery and recovered. And, you know, so I could pursue my next dream of something that I've always wanted to do. Which that'll be another episode. Yeah, that's, an, that's another episode. But, of course, you know, I think a lot of people have asked me questions like, oh, I know you're getting, you know, you retired because you're getting married. I'm like, no, that's not why I retired. That has nothing to do with why I retired. Um, I would have gotten married and been a DCC. That was kind of the whole plan. I mean, Bryson and I had to completely redirect our lives after Mm -hmm. this whole thing happened because we were certain that we would be in Texas for at least two more years before whatever happened. And, um, And then, you know, God said, no. But you're not. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be doing that. Um, so There's the saying of we make plans and God laughs. Yes, and that's very true. And you know, we have always believed, and you know, I've always, it gives you a lot of comfort when you know anything is going on in your life. Um, you know, tell we tell each other we're like. Whatever is supposed to happen is what's going to happen. Yeah. God has predetermined your destiny. We know what is coming. He knows what is coming. We don't know, but He knows. And so for us to worry about it, it's just kind of silly because it's already been decided. It, you know, trying out for a team. If you make this team or if you don't, that's already been decided. He has already decided th- that plan in your life. So you just have to kind of, you know, put your trust in God. Oh, that's a loud airplane. I don't know if you can hear it on here. Um, we kind of live close to the airport where we are. Holy cow. Um, that's your spirit plane landing Lord. so it's ready to take you back to Florida. Anyway, <laughs> um, we, we, you know, we put our trust in God and, you know, he has our greater, you know, he has all of the plans already set in motion. So, you know, when this happened, it's like, well, this is what was supposed to happen. And it, you don't really feel like, you know, you do feel like swerve because you didn't know it was happening, but it's still, it's no surprise to him. No. He already knew. And I, and I think that's, that's how I had to end this whole journey is just kind of accept what was and be grateful for what happened and Mm -hmm. the wonderful things that did come from it of, you know, me having a lovely community and wonderful, wonderful friends that, you know, came to be a part of my life because of DCC and that sisterhood and, you know, learning valuable life lessons with being in Texas and, you know, growing up really fast living there and, you know, overcoming so much adversity and then, you know, meeting the love of my life in Texas that all came because of the fact that I was a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader and just being in Texas. And Mm -hmm. I, I mean, because of DCC, I would have never been in Texas. So, um, a lot of things came into my life because of being a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. And for that, I am forever grateful. And, you know, I will always hold those memories so near and dear to my heart. And, you know, I always also use my DCC story to kind of be a tale of, you know, take care of yourself, take care of your mental health, take Mm -hmm. care of your physical health. When you know something's wrong, you know, go and get it addressed you know, be, be honest with yourself. Um, you don't want to be in a situation like I was. And I, you know, I'm very grateful that hopefully, you know, my story of going through this surgery process and everything can kind of be almost like a cautionary tale to anybody who's a dancer, um, who may have be dealing with the same thing of, you know, oh my gosh, I need to, I need to get this checked out. I need to, I need 
I need to stop what I'm doing and take care of me. Yes. I mean, you just, it's not what you want to do. No dancer ever wants to stop. And, you know, as far as taking care of an injury, there's never a good time. I mean, there's just not. And, you know, for me, I was, I was very nervous as her parent and as her, you know, dance instructor for her life, you know, that that something was going to go wrong or she was going to come out of this and be like, oh, this was a terrible mistake. I should have never done this. I'm in more pain than I was before. This did not fix the problem. Just all the fears of it, you know, and it's just, it was a lot to think about and to be worried about. Mm -hmm. And none of that we would know the answers to, you know, for months, you know, it's not like she was going to wake up and be like, mm -mm, good, you know, yeah. the girl couldn't even walk um, for a long time. So, for me, I mean, it's been, what, seven months, six, six months? months. It, she's now six months post-op, and they told her it would be a full year of recovery before she was 100%. And that we were very, very thankful that the doctor was absolutely certain. No, absolutely, she will be 100% back to where she was. And in fact, probably better because she's going, we're going to take these bone fragments out and we're going <clears> to, <throat> you know, take away her pain. So she's probably going to be dancing better than she was before. So that was very encouraging. Um, so, but even now, six months out, like, you know, she came to teach dance last night and it just makes you emotional because I'm just watching her dance. And it's like, I just remember when she could, could not even walk you know, two days post-surgery. And I'm thinking, is this is going to be taken away from her, something she loves so much and something she enjoys doing so much. And then I'm just so thankful that she's able to even halfway dance. And then to see her, you know, instructing our girls last night at our, at our camp that we were having at our studio here in North Carolina and just being able to really dance. And I'm like, she looks good. Like she'd never guess that this girl had this huge traumatic thing happen to her body. And I'm just so thankful that she's okay. Yeah. And I think it just goes back to like, you know, realizing that everything does happen for a reason. I think this was all like a really hard thing. I mean, I was talking to Bryce, I'm going to cry. I, th I was talking to Bryson about it the other week because he is moving to Texas, not Texas. He's moving from Texas to Florida tomorrow. And we talked about how, you know, these past two months have been really hard living apart. And I remember, and I told him, I was like, it was very hard, you know, as much as I was grateful to get a call from Disney and, you know, they told me to be there in 10 days. And I was so excited. I feel like I was still trying to process like everything that had happened with, you know, having this injury and having surgery and having to quit the team and like, you know, quit, quit retired, but you, you know, retired. quit what I thought was going to happen. Right. Like, yeah. you know, give up that possibility and, mm -hmm. you know, leave behind every, the life I had made there. I for mean, three for three years and then be like, okay, well, yeah. you know, on to the next, I mm -hmm. guess. And, you know, as exciting as embarking a new dream and wonderful adventures and what that would bring, it's still really hard to leave behind, you know, a life that you had made there and what you, what you find comfortable and, you know, making the best decision for yourself. And mm -hmm. I'm not to say I'm not, I know, I mean, I know for a hundred percent without a doubt, I made the best decision and the wisest right. decision it doesn't make that decision any easier. Right. And, and, and and it's still okay to be sad about what happened. I'm very upset that I had to go through this 
that Mm -hmm. my body had to endure this Mm -hmm. at such a young age. And I'm upset that it's going to continue to happen to other girls. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the hardest part for me to accept. Mm -hmm. Um, But all you can do is just pray that people will, you know, take care of themselves, take care of their bodies, not, you know, push it to the limit. Mm -hmm. And, you know. Do what's best for them. Do what's best for them. But, you know, with all that being said, I'm so glad I got to share this with everybody. I think, you know, everybody asks me a lot of questions with DCC. And I'm... There's a lot of questions about the team in general to both of us all the time. But but more so about the show, you know, there's a lot of questions. As many questions as I get about Marissa being on the team, there's even more questions, you know, about being on the show. And, you know, maybe that's a topic for another day. But, you know, one of the big ones that people say is, oh, is it scripted? Is it scripted? It is 100% not scripted. I mean, how could, how could you watch any reality show? honestly and and think that any of that is scripted there was a never a time like, where you're reading anything off of a script that's just right. kind of crazy a lot of it's prompted like they ask certain yes. questions to get a certain type of answer out of you but nothing's scripted everything that we've said was 100 percent genuine answering honest questions and mm-hmm. and all of the things like editing of course plays a huge part in huge how things are portrayed part. and but you know we all are just basically doing the best we can to survive i mean i i feel like like I said, I was so tired. It was such a blur that whole time. I feel like even my second year, I mean, you know, my class, none of the veterans, we had any kind of feature. And the it was really nice because the pressure was off of us when it came to the show. Right. But, you know, even just having a camera in the corner, you just, it adds a, a sense of stress and pressure. Mm-hmm. And I think for all of us, we could all collectively agree that it was a very stressful environment mm-hmm. having the show be a part of our lives. Um, and now there's a great perks to it because I'm so grateful that you know this big achievement of mine is forever you know a part of something that I can watch forever you know that I love that there's a whole season that's you know has documented you know things that I couldn't share myself Mm -hmm. um through pictures and videos and that kind of tells the story of you know me achieving this dream that I can show to my kids one day and be like this was something that was a part of my life that I'm forever grateful for but again you know I just got lucky that, mm-hmm. you know, I ended up making the team and I, you know, and lucky had an, you a were, nice experience with it. Well, <laughs> I'm lucky that you were portrayed the way you were because anybody that personally knows Marissa, anybody who really knows Marissa mm-hmm. knows that she is free-spirited, loud, goofy, funny, all the things. And she, you know would tell me she told me one time one night in the bubble she said or maybe it was towards the end or after she got out I can't remember but she said I really do feel like you know I was myself you know I was I was just myself and it's just like it just is what it is and she said now how they choose to portray that on the show I don't know it could it could come out I mean they could choose to show me as very immature it might they might show me as some hyper crazy person like I just don't know how they're going to choose to show all that. I really don't. So it was very, very stressful when the show was on, especially her first year, not so much the second year, but the first year um, of, oh God, are they going to like, how are they going to show this? And how are they going to spin that? 
Mm-hmm. And and you, you also don't know what anybody is saying on the other side of anything. So where, you know, her perception of it is one thing, you know, somebody else's perception is different. And, you know, that does happen on the show also where, you know, you think it was one way. You thought you did great that day. And then all of a sudden you get to see it and you see it was all these critiques of you. And it's that's hard. It's hard that, to watch. That's hard to watch. You know, luckily that was not her experience but that's a lot of girls experience on the show and I mean she has friends now that are like I've never watched it yeah yeah they're like I've never I watched it it's like part of it. me kind of wishes that I didn't watch it just because you know you have your own perception of how it was in your head mm-hmm. and you kind of don't want anything want to mess to with, that. with that yeah. you don't want anything to mess with it and luckily for me you know it was a a nice perception of what happened that was showcased to the world but when it comes to you know how things happen with my friends and how day-to-day was that was not the the perception I had with everything so Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a very it's very interesting the way things get edited and everything and you can't show everything you can't show everything that went down and that's just kind of part of it you're getting you know a a highlight reel of what people choose to show to the public Mm -hmm. and um, so it's, it's a very interesting thing, but like I've said before, I'm forever grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, an amazing experience. I got to do things that I had never dreamed of. I got to dance back up for the Jonas Brothers. I mean, that's Crazy. so amazing. And, um, I, I got to be one of America's sweethearts and wear an iconic uniform that is in the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History. I mean, that's insane to me and mm-hmm. I think I'll forever be in disbelief that this even happened for me yeah honestly we're both still in shock that she made the team I mean let's just be <laughs> right here well you have still not even accepted that I yeah mean, we did obviously we've accepted it but it's just like again it's like COVID. it's like fever dream it's a fever like, dream it's like did you really do that like that's crazy yeah we're still in, we're in our second fever dream now we're in our second fever dream we're, correct Disney is the next fever dream Disney's the next fever dream I mean I I will, um, I will always be thankful forever. And I think that's, that's how we need to leave it at that. Yep. You know, it's, it, I always choose to view things in a positive light mm-hmm. and I'm never going to, you know, let, you know, things ruin my perception of what mm-hmm. I choose to focus on. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunities I was given with this job and, you know, what it brought me into my life as far as the community that I have and, you know, and the alumni community community that has just been so wonderful as well. Um, But yeah, like all things, you know, all good things must come to an end (laughs) and sometimes for good reasons. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, I, I'm grateful we got to do this podcast and just kind of chit chat about it for a bit. I think it was also kind of healing for both of us to kind of, rehash about a lot of things that happened and Mm -hmm. um it's just like you know we we talk about things and you know marissa's gone through several things in her life that you know several times you you just have to kind of talk about it and sometimes you have to talk about it and just talk about it and talk about it and talk about it to make sense of it some things you'll never make sense of you know everybody has things that happen in their life that you're like why did that have to happen to me you know i don't i don't get it and, you know, nobody has all the answers, but sometimes just talking about it mm-hmm. just may, helps you process it. And it helps you just kind of, you know, not maybe make sense of it, but just 
accept it, that that is just something that is part of my story. That is something that has made me who I am today. And I like who I am today. So if this had not happened to me, um, then I would not be who I am today, you know, and that's good and bad. All the good and bad things. I mean, it shapes you to who you are as a person. You wouldn't be who you are today if you had not been a DCC for three years. But then there's other things that have shaped you, obviously, also. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything, like we've said, this is the theme of this episode. Everything happens for a reason. That's right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I think the odds were against me to make this team when I was 18. Mm -hmm. um, And somehow that happened. I think, you know, a lot of things happened during the time I was a DCC that, you know, I wish had not. But at the end of the day, you know, that shaped me and who I am today. And I'm grateful for that. Mm -hmm. And then... You know, as far as it goes with, you know, how this journey ended for me, I feel mm-hmm. like that all happened for a very good reason as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm... I mean, and look at your life now. Yeah, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> pretty <laughs> well, dang happy. Pretty dang happy, let's just say that. Yeah. Um, I'm about to catch a flight to go back to the Sunshine State, um, which is uh, the Hurricane State right now. Yeah, um, hurricane's over. Hurricane, mm-hmm. let's just pray I get back safely. And, and now I'm so excited because Bryson will finally be in Florida and we're going to be able to officially kick off our, our new life there, which is mm-hmm. super exciting. And I think, you know, t- it's, it's very fitting that we're recording this episode today because I think, you know, a huge part of our life has been in Texas for the next three years. And I'm, and I'm sure we'll continue a story in Texas later on in life. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's funny that now we're finally officially starting this new, very exciting chapter of our life in Florida. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's so nice. It's mm-hmm. it's so fun. So I'm glad we got to have this episode. And I'm sorry to all of our listeners that it took a hot second for us to get there. But honestly, these past couple of weeks have been kind of crazy. And this was an important episode to record. And we wanted to make sure it was in a good environment where we could sit and chat and um, we could actually do it in person and we didn't have to do it any kind of crazy way via FaceTime or phone call or whatever. We could just kind of chit chat like mm-hmm. we usually do. I mean, we're literally sitting on the porch right now in rocking chair and at, yeah, at the pink house in, in true environment and getting to just chat about something pretty a awesome. Chapter of your life. Pretty, pretty cool chapter. Mm-hmm. So Thank you so much for tuning in um, to Life in the Pink House. And send us your requests for send, the next episode. Yes, yeah, send us your requests for the next episode. We're excited to, to chat more with all of y'all. But bye, y'all. Mm-hmm.